In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, what God mean. Our Bible study tonight from Psalm 64. This psalm is titled to the chief musician, a psalm of David. To the chief musician means either the Lord Jesus Christ or the head of the choir like Himan or Asaph. And it is composed by David as it is said a psalm of David. Some believe that he composed this psalm when he was persecuted by King Saul. Others said he composed this psalm during the rebellion of his son Absalom. And as we many of David's psalms, it concerned a crisis in his life that made him cry out to God. David usually, when he goes through a difficult time, he turned this into prayer. And the theme of this psalm is God's judgment upon the enemies of the righteous. Upon the enemies of the righteous, who are in the same time the enemies of God. So this psalm can also be applied to the Messiah, especially in his suffering, as St. Augustine mentioned in his commentary on the book of Psalms. And in verse 4 he says that they may shoot in secret at the blameless, or according to the Arabic, Al Kamil, the perfect. Al Kamil fil So, who is the perfect? No one is perfect, is Jesus Christ. That's why St. Augustine said this psalm is about the Lord Jesus Christ in his suffering because he is the only perfect one. And the Jews were the enemies that took counsel against the Lord Jesus Christ and looked for opportunities and excuses to oppose him and accomplish their plans to crucify him. So this son can be applied to the Lord Jesus Christ, can be applied to David himself, also can be applied to the church, the body of Christ, God's people who are in all ages, have their enemies, who are the enemies of God also, and against whom wicked men have devised harm and persecution. Though no weapon formed against the children of God shall prosper, as we'll see in this psalm. This psalm is short psalm, only 10 verses. So from verse 1 to 6, David spoke about the cruelty of the enemies. From verse 7 to 10, David prophesies their overthrow. God will overthrow them. So let's start from verse 1. Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. The psalmist begins this psalm as just about every other psalm with a cry to God 
for help and salvation. And he used the word voice, hear my voice, O God. So the word voice imply that this was audible prayer. He was not praying inaudibly, but audible prayer. And the use of this word often in Psalms means that even private prayers were uttered in an audible manner. So when a person goes into his inner room, it's a private prayer, not communal prayer. But even in our inner rooms, when we pray, we pray in audible manner. But we should know whether audible or inaudible, prayer has a voice with God, which he will hear. God even hears the groaning of our hearts. We don't have to speak audibly so God may hear us. But David's prayer was vocal and expressed in a mournful manner with groans and cries and with great eagerness. His condition was very distressing and therefore he was very eager and earnest that he might be heard. And according to St. Augustine, verse 1 also is the cry of our Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered from the, all the events of his crucifixion. And also it is the cry of the church that suffers in all ages the body of Christ. The word fear preserve my life from fear of the enemy. The word fear means dread and it speaks of something greater than normal fear of battle. David knew how unbearable this kind of dread and he prayed that God may preserve him for this fear. David's enemies were King Saul and his followers and he was afraid of them. And also if his enemies were his son Absalom and his followers, he was also afraid of them. The Lord Jesus Christ had his enemies, the wicked Jews, and they were seeking his life. And the church, the people of God, have also their enemies, the men of the world, who revile, reproach, and persecute the believers. Satan, their adversary, who goes about seeking to devour them. So, we also have their fear of these enemies. But according to St. Augustine, he said this cry is presented by the martyrs when persecuted. As we read in Sirach chapter 2 verse 11, consider the nations of men and know that no one of them hoped in the Lord and was confounded. So what did he mean when he said preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. This cry doesn't mean to ask God to be saved from the persecution or the martyrs asking God 
to be saved from the martyrdom, but to be saved from the fear of martyrdom. So they ask God to give them a courageous heart. So whether they will be killed by sword or crucified or they will be thrown to beasts, God may protect them from this fear. St. Augustine says, Therefore, for this prayer, the voice of the martyrs, from the fear of the enemy, deliver my soul, not so that the enemy may not slay them, but that I may not fear an enemy slaying. So they were praying not to be protected from the martyrdom, but to be delivered from the fear, so they can face martyrdom with a courageous heart. Verse 2, hide me from the secret plots of the wicked. So the wicked making secret plots against David. From the rebellion of the workers of iniquity. So people who rebel, they rebel publicly. And other people, they make conspiracy in secret. So he is asking God to protect him from both. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, also from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity. David knew there were dangerous enemies plotting his destruction. He felt powerless to make, to stop them. So he prayed to God, hide me from the secret plots of the wicked. Hide me means protect me, guard me, make me safe as one who is hidden or concealed so that his enemies cannot find him. And when he said from the secret plots of the wicked, not wicked in general, but his particular enemies who were endeavoring to destroy him. David was in danger not only from the secret plots against him, but also from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity. So his life was in double danger. If he escaped one, he had no security that he would escape the other. And the same was for the Lord Jesus Christ. He was exposed to double danger. There was a danger arising from the secret plots of the scribes and Pharisees who assembled to plan putting him to death by a judicial trial. But also there was a danger from the rebellion and the anger and the rage of the multitude who cried, crucify him, crucify him. Verse 3, who sharpened their tongues like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows bitter words. So the secret plots against David consisted in words and lies against him. How to bring false witness against him. That's why he said, who sharpened their tongue like a sword. The utter words that will cut deep or penetrate his soul. This was not a case of words merely hurting, but the, the choice of these words 
were deliberate and the result of counsel and purpose. So we can see here how the tongue can be a devastating weapon and it is very dangerous because all evildoers have easy access to the tongue and sometimes we use our tongue to hurt others intentionally. Then he said, and bend their bows to shoot their arrows. So what are the arrows here? Arrows can be the doctrines of heretical men. These are better words, as he said, better words to shoot their arrows. Heresies are better words, which these are the root of bitterness that harm some and trouble others. David knew that his enemies fired their bitter words as arrows against him. And when they did, it did, ma it did not bother them uh, in the least. That's why he said that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. They don't fear God. They don't fear man that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Suddenly, blameless, suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. So it did not bother them. They did not fear either David or God. And the psalm emphasizes the trickery nature of David's enemies. They use secret plots. They shoot in secret. They attack suddenly. So they plan conspiracies in secret, they shoot in secret and they attack suddenly. It is not or it was not an open fight where he could see his enemy, but it was a warfare with a concealed enemy. They shoot in secret at the blameless. Of course David meant himself here. But David, we cannot say he is blameless in a perfect sense. David is far from perfection in himself in a perfect sense and in the sight of God. But he meant blameless with Saul. He did not do anything against Saul. He did not do anything bad against Absalom, his son. He was quite innocent and without fault in dealing with them. But as I told you, St. Augustine said to shoot in secret at the blameless or at the perfect, this is the Messiah. And David here is a symbol of the Messiah. The Messiah who has all perfections of the divine and human nature in him. He is without sin, holy, harmless, pure, and defiant. St. Augustine says, they intended to kill him who raised the dead. They intend this suddenly, namely craftily, as though it is something unexpected and in secret, as though the Lord is not aware of what they were doing. Verse 5, they encourage themselves in an evil matter. They talk of laying snares secretly. They say, who will see them? So, 
They took counsel. They encouraged each other. They urged one another. But in evil, not in good. An evil matter. They strengthened themselves for doing what they know to be wrong or wicked thing or evil. And they, they know the benefit of cooperation. So they cooperate with one another, but in evil. They share their experience and teach each other new and different ways and approaches. They sought to make the plan so secret that no one could discover it or even suspect it. And they have made up their minds that God doesn't see them. God will not punish them in this world. This is the reason of their unrestrained wickedness. They say, who will see them? Who will see them? So they persuaded themselves that there is no God who will take any account of their action. In the same way the atheist or anyone who opposes God and the, the gospel message might have the false assumption that God doesn't see them because there is no God and they encourage one another in their evil plans that they will be successful because there is no God to hold them accountable. Verse 6 They devise iniquities. We have perfected a shrewd scheme, both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. So they say we have perfected, shrewd means wise, we have perfected a shrewd scheme. But shrewd usually wise in, uh, in a bad way. We have perfected a shrewd scheme. They were proud in their evil plotting. And they boasted of their sins, showing the dark depth of their thought and heart. That's why he said, both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. Because of the depth of the wickedness in their mind and in their heart, they were able to devise iniquities. They were able to perfect a shrewd scheme. The word they devise, they devise iniquities, means they search deep. They examined every plan and every way which was suggested to them and by which they could hope to accomplish their purpose. They studied diligently and constantly to find out new ways or means of harming David. St. Augustine says, this reflect also the thoughts of the Pharisees and scribes. They devised deadly and acute designs. For example, they said, Let him not be betrayed by us, but by his disciples. So they used Judas to betray him. Let him not be killed by us, but by the judge. So they made Pontius Pilate to make the verdict to kill him. Let us do it all and let us seem to have done nothing. And David actually when he said the heart and the thought of man are deep, David admitted 
there had been great talent and skill in the formation of their plan, but in, in a bad way, in evil way, in, in wicked way. After David spoke about their wickedness, now he's speaking that God will actually avenge him. In verse 7 he says, But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. As they actually, they bend their bows to shoot their arrows, bitter words, in the same way God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded, as also in their plans, verse 4, suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. In the same way, suddenly God will wound them. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So, in the moment of their imagined success, because they said, God doesn't see us, we will be successful in our plans. They will find that their deeply laid plans at the moment of being fulfilled completely, what will happen? A sudden divine retribution overtakes the wicked and all their lies and evil invented with such craftiness, it will fall back on their own head. And as they have shot with their arrows at the righteous, so with his arrow, God shall shoot at them. They shot their poisonous words at David unexpectedly, suddenly, without warning. God would shoot back at them unexpectedly, without warning, suddenly. Suddenly, they shall be wounded. This reminds us that often the judgment of God comes upon the wicked unexpectedly, Without any warning, the Lord Jesus himself said he will come like a thief in the middle of the night. When they think everything is fine, they will be wounded. Verse 8. So he, God, will make a stumble, will make them stumble over their own tongue. By their own words, they will stumble. All who see them shall flee away. So, they used their lies and slanders to attack David. But God will find a way to make their own words, their own lies, their own slander to ruin them. So, they will fall in the very way they hoped to trap David. Their tongue, the weapon, with which they sought to destroy others, is turned against themselves. And we can see this better in many examples in the scripture. Like Achitophel, Achitophel, the counselor of David, his fate was he, he, he killed himself. Haman was hanged on the gallows he made for Mordechai. And the accusers of Daniel the prophet were cast into the same den of lions they got for him. So when a person, a wicked person, plans something to hurt an innocent or righteous person, it will be turned against him. David often prays 
for God's judgment to come on his enemies and does not seek to perform or carry out this judgment. So God will make them stumble over their own tongue. So it is God. David actually never want to perform this judgment by himself. For example, he had many opportunities to kill King Saul when he was running away from him. But David refrained from killing King Saul for two reasons. Number one, he said, Saul is the Messiah, is the the anointed one. The word Messiah here was small m means he's anointed by God. And second reason, because judgment belonged to God only. So he asked God to perform the judgment, but he never wanted to perform the judgment by himself. And all who see how the enemies stumble over their own tongue shall flee away. So when God punishes sinners, the effect on others is to lead them to run away from the same fate and they are fearful and repent and return back to God. Like uh, Longinus, the one who pierced the Lord with the spear, when he saw what's happening on the cross, he believed, he repented and believed in God. So David's words on God's judgment have dual application. It can be applied to judgment here on earth, in in the human history, before the final judgment, and also it can be applied on the final judgment at the end of the days. And the fate of David's enemies shall cause widespread fear and alarm, as we read in verse 9, and men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. So, men shall perceive God's hand in it when they see how the enemies are destroyed by their own plans. And that's why they declare the work of God wisely, and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. So people in view of the just judgment of the wicked, when they see how the wicked are punished, would learn learn to reverence God and to stand in awe of God, who is the powerful just. For example, the death of Epsilon would have put in the mind of his followers who survived of his army great alarm of fear and they returned back to David. For they shall wisely consider his doing, God's doing. They shall attentively and carefully consider it done by God and and done well and wisely. So God, when he punished the, the enemies, he did it wisely and well. So an attentive consideration of God's work will contribute to maintain a just knowledge of the world in subjection to him. So when we see something like this, we know that God is the Pantocrator, God is in control, God is the controller of all, 
and the world is in subjection to him. God is thus always speaking to human being and nothing is more proper for human being than to give their mind to a careful consideration of what is really intended to be learned by the events which are occurring in our life according to his economy. So there is nothing in our life happens by chance or by accident. Everything is planned by God. And when we look carefully at the events that occurring around us, we can see the hand of God in them. So we, we know that God is in control for that for they shall wisely consider his doing last verse verse 10 the righteous shall be glad in the lord and trust in him and all the upright in heart shall glory so three things here the righteous will be glad in lord number two they trust in him their faith will increase number three all the upright in heart shall glory. So, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord means they rejoice at the retaliation executed on the wicked. But their joy is not about the retaliation itself, but it centers on the Lord, in the Lord. It is not at the ruin of the wicked, but because of the glory of God's justice displayed therein and of his grace and mercy to them. So when they see God's justice, they rejoice, not because their enemies were destroyed, but because the justice of God and his mercy is revealed to the whole world. They had special reason to be glad because God was justified and his children are protected. They rejoice in the Lord because of what he is unto them and who he is or what he has done for them. What he did to the enemies and what, how he protected his children. It not only brings joy but increase faith. They trust in him. It increases their faith. God's faithful answer to prayer would demonstrate that he is worthy of trust. David cried, Hear my voice, O Lord, and God answered. This actually makes their trust and their faith in God increase. This built the faith of the righteous. St. Augustine says, Therefore let us all rejoice in the Lord. Let us all after the faith be one just man. So after we believe in God, all of us will be one, one body. And let us all in one body hold one head, Christ, and let us rejoice in the Lord, not in ourselves. Because our good is not ourselves to ourselves. We cannot do, do good to ourselves, but He, God, that hath made us. Himself is our good to make us glad. And let us no one rejoice in Himself. No one rely on himself. No one despair of himself. So let's rejoice in the Lord, not rejoice in ourselves, not trust ourselves, not despair of ourselves. And the same for others. Let no one rely on any man. Don't bring another person 
to be your partner in hope or other people cannot be giver of hope rejoice in the Lord who is your hope and whom you should trust then he said and all the upright in heart shall glory all the upright in heart shall glory St. Augustine says what follows after the righteous rejoice and their faith increase what follows he says if there shall be praised all men right in heart so all the people who write in heart then they will praise the Lord there shall be condemned the crooked in heart so St. Augustine says there are two groups people who are upright in heart and people who are crooked in heart so two things are said before you now choose while there is time do you want to be with the group of the upright in heart or do you want to be with the group of crooked in heart if of crooked in heart you have become if you choose to be in the crooked in heart there will come the judgment there will appear all the reasons on account of which God does all these things so on the last day in the final judgment you know you know that you chose the wrong choice and you that would not in this life correct your way by the restitute of God and prepare yourself for the right hand then if you don't repent if you don't correct your way while you are, you are here to, in, to be included with the people who are upright in heart and praise him then this person will be on the left side of Christ where at that time this person will hear go you into fire everlasting that has been prepared for the devil and his angels so St. Augustine says there are people upright in heart they will glory but people who are crooked in heart if they did not repent then in the last day they will be on the left hand of Christ and they will hear that voice go into the fire everlasting that has been prepared for the devil and his angels this actually concludes Psalm 64 in few minutes I will give summary in Arabic glory be to God forever and ever Amen